Anybody thankful for that reckless love? Praise God. God, we are so thankful for your reckless love today. That you wrecked this world. You came down to this earth when it was full of sin and shame. and You came down and wrecked this world for us, God. Thank you so much for your reckless, endless love. I'm so thankful for that. Don't you wish we could love like that? We try, but we fail it, don't we? We can't love the way God loves, but we can attempt to. We can say, God, I can't have unconditional love just because I'm human. But you know what? I'm going to do my very best to love and to care for your people like you promised that you would for us. Amen. Hallelujah. Um, after service today, this white bucket's going to be right here. And we're going to take up. I'm going to go to Israel on, the, on this Saturday. We're leaving for Israel, me and Gina um, and also Lisa. And we're going to uh, take up an offer for the Bethlehem Orphanage. It's a special needs Christian orphanage in, in um, Israel. And they uh, teach the kids and love on the kids. There's a lot. There are a lot of special needs kids there, and uh, it's just, it just it'll just break your heart when you go there. But they care for them kids so much. And uh, Mother Pia will be there, and she's she's in charge of it. And we're taking a whole bunch of stuff down there, and we would love for you to be a part of that. And if you want to give some extra money to that, um, all the money's going to go to the kids. All the money's going to go to the orphanage to help them and to preach the gospel to them and meet their all their needs that they have. So. Praise God for that if you want to be a part of that. But today we're going to talk about a total turnaround. A total turnaround. Um, you ever needed a turnaround in your life? You're like, man, I just feel like I'm heading in a different direction than I need to be going. Now, if you're not a Christian today, you need to turn around, right? You need to turn around and come to Christ. But a lot of times, I'm also today talking to Christians. Sometimes we as Christians... We're going down a path, and we're looking for, for a well. We're looking for to, to satisfy something in our life. We're trying hard to satisfy something in our life, but the thing is, is we're trying to satisfy it with everything but God. And so today we're going to talk about this a little bit, because change is something that's very unique. You know, we, talk, we think about change all the time. You know, if, if I had to ask you, what's one thing in your life that you would want to change about yourself? You know, I don't want you to answer it, but think about what it would be. You know, would it be your personality? You know, if, if, if I said, what, what's one thing about my personality I would change? I would say that maybe I wouldn't be so analytical, that I wouldn't be such an overthinker. Dude, I overthink everything, every situation, every conversation, everything in my life. I'm an overthinker, and I hate that. So if I could change something about that, I would probably change my personality. I would be not, not quite so much of a, so critical of, of myself and an overthinker. And then what if it was relationships? If you would say, what, what in your relationships would you like to change? That you could forgive more? That you could love more? That you could have more friends? You know, that you could not be so bitter? That you could be more approachable? You know, when, for me, I would probably say I just would love to have, I would love to be better at relationships. I, feel, I love relationships. It's one of the things that I pride myself on. But I think we can always be better and be a better friend. I can always, in all relationships, I could, be, I could be a better friend. I could be a better dad. I could be a better husband. I could be a better pastor. I could be better at all my relationships, and I would love to try to, to do that for that to be a change. How about your relationship with God? If you wanted to change your relationship with God, what in your relationship with God would you want to change? What would that be? Probably if you're like me, hey, I know I'm pastor, but I still would like to read the Bible more than I do. I would like to pray more. I'd probably be, if I would say the one thing I would really want to change I would say I would want to be more faithful. I would want to be more faithful. God is so faithful to us, but we're just not faithful to him. Now, obviously, I'm, I'm, I am faithful to God. But my faithful meter has so much further to go to be more faithful to him than faithful to myself and faithful to my flesh, right? We're fascinated by the thought of change. 
We talk about all the cha- all the time about change. We're saying, hey, you know, hey, I might change my my, my makeup. I might change my, my my shutters. I might change my car. I might change you know this. I might change my look. I might lose some weight. I might do this. Well, there's all kind of things that we want to change in life, but most of the time it's just we're infatuated with the thought of change. We we like the thought of hey, I could change, and if I did, this could happen. But the thing is, is we we never follow through on that. Steve, we just we talk about change, but we never do it. It's like kind of like you know the, the you know the the oil light stays on in your car, and you you talking about well, I need to change I need to change my oil in my car, and then your car breaks down, your engine blows up. Why? Because you never change what you knew needed changing. And the same thing with us as Christians. Whenever you have something that you need you need changed, and you don't change it, there's going to probably come some difficulties. You, you, you end up on a struggle bus a little bit in some areas of your life. You know, a, a several years back on Facebook, we did a little, a little thing and we asked people, what, if you wanted to change, what would you change? So, and this is the Facebook responses. It says, somebody said, uh, I would change, I'm just too stressed, I would change that. Someone said, I would have more compassion. Someone said, I would need to forgive. Someone said, I want to be able to speak up for myself more. Someone said, I want to slow down. Someone said, I'm too over the top and I turn people off. Someone said, I'm too tenderhearted. Somebody said that I want to be more Christ-like. On Facebook, somebody else said, I want more faith and confidence in Christ. Somebody said, I have a hard time saying no. I want to change people's perception of me. I need to always be right, and I want to change that. I'm impatient. I want to know the difference of his voice and my own desires. Somebody said, I'm too controlling. Somebody said, I'm shy, and I want people to get to know the real me. And somebody else said that I'm too wrapped up in my own self. And I I, I heard somebody say one time that when you're wrapped up in your own self, you're a small package. So we have all these areas of our lives that we want to change, but we don't do anything to change them. We just talk about it. So I want to talk to you today about life change, about transformation, about discipline, about the things that we need to change. Why? Because you want to change your marriage. You want to have a better relationship with your spouse. You want to communicate more. You know, you want to be able to, to, to be a better husband. You want to be a better wife. You want to learn to do more things around the house that can help your spouse. You want to learn to, 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 to be able to keep up with dates better. There's all kinds of things in our marriages, right, that we could do better, especially us men. And then, there, then there's the job change. You know, a lot of times you want to change things in your job. You're con- we're constantly worrying about finances. We need to raise. We can't pay this bill. We're trying to trust God, but then we try to still figure it out ourselves with that. And maybe you're here today and you're like, I'm, I'm addicted and, and I, 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 um, I want to I stop this. I need to stop this. I need to break this addiction. I need to change the fall off. But I just I can't seem to be able to do the things that I need to do to make that change. Maybe you're living your life and this is the ultimate goal, the ultimate end to all this, is you are living a life unfulfilled. In the, the words of the great Coach Prime, Deion Sanders, the amazing coach and uh the only man that ever, the only man that ever played in a Super Bowl and a World Series in the same year, and pretty much around the same time, he would fly back and forth. He, he's so amazing. But he said, in, his, in a recent interview, he said, 
<clears throat> you got 10 cars and you're not going nowhere. You got 14,000 square foot house and you never feel at home. You got 100 pairs of shoes and you can't step in the right direction. You got 15 suits and you can't cover up the pain. You got two or three women and wake up unsatisfied. And that's, that's exactly how it is. I've heard, I've heard um, uh, Michael Jordan say the same kind of stuff. I had fame, I had money, I had everything I needed. I had 10 cars, I had all these shoes, I had everything. But there was a void, there was an emptiness. And sometimes in our own life, even here as Christians, we, we, we have stuff, we even have Jesus, but we don't depend upon him. We have him, but we sit him to the side until we desperately need him, until a tragedy happens. We don't, we don't bother him until something just, just falls all apart and we get to, we've done everything that we can do and then we turn to Jesus. And God's like, I wish you'd turn that around. If you would just come to me first, I could help you with what you have and we can make all this happen. I want to read to you John uh, 4, 7 through 19. Stay with me. It said, soon a Samaritan woman came to draw water and Jesus said to her, Please give me a drink. Jesus said to this lady, Samaritan woman, please give me a drink. He was um, alone at the time because he had just sent the disciples. They had gone into the village to buy some food. The woman was surprised for, re for Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritans. She said to Jesus, you are a Jew. I am a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me for a drink? Jesus replied, if you only knew the gift God has for you, and who you are speaking to, you would ask me, and I would give you living water. But sir, you don't have a rope or a bucket, she said. And this well is very deep. Where would you get this living water? And besides, do you think that you're greater than an ancestor Jacob? This is Jacob's well. Um, who gave us this well? How can you offer better water than he and his sons um, and his animals enjoy? Jesus replied, Anyone who drinks this water will soon become thirsty again. But those who drink the water that I will give them will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh bubbling. I love, I love that he, this, this word here that's added, bubbling. It becomes a fresh bubbling, life-giving. You know, you, know you know it's alive when it's bubbling, right? And so it's life-bubbling, life-giving spring within them, giving them eternal life. Please, sir, the woman said, give me this water. She's desperate for it now. Then I will never be thirsty again, and I won't have to come here to get water. Go and get your husband, Jesus told her. I don't have a husband, the woman replied. Jesus said, you're right. You don't have a husband, for you have five husbands, and the one you're with now you ain't even married to. You certainly spoke the truth, sir, the woman said. You must be a prophet. I want to show you how incredible just this encounter is. I'm not going to go real deep, but I want to, I want to tell you a few things. Jews and Gentiles were, were bitter enemies. Jesus was a Jew. She was a Gentile. And they were at this well, Jacob's well. And it's on the list right now for this year for I'll be going to Jacob's well. Last time I wasn't supposed to drink the water. They said not to drink it, and I did. And I'm still alive. So um, they, they told, they, she told me the other day, don't drink the water this time, Pastor Doug. I was like, okay. But I mean, I'm, hey, it was living water for her. I wanted some of it too, right? So, but anyway, but centuries before, the Jews, when they were exiled to Babylon um, by their conquerors, some of the Jews stayed behind and they intermarried with uh, the Canaanites and found a new tribe 
called called the the, the uh, Samaritans, and the Samaritans and the they they started this new little kind of religion, and they, they had part Jewish, part Canaanite, and so therefore the Jews considered them inferior because they were inbreds. They considered them as and heretics, racially inferior. So it was a scan. It was scandalous for a Jewish man to talk to a woman because, as we know, it was a bunch of garbage. But but at that day, women were, were nothing to men. They they were supposed to do their job and stay behind the man and not beside the man. And they were supposed to just do what the man said. And you didn't talk to a woman out there in public and all that. <clears throat> and we know today that the woman's supposed to be beside the man, not behind the man. But th this was no ordinary woman as well. She, there was no, she, normally if you really do any history, you, you understand that they went and drew water early in the morning because it was cool and it was a big long line. She's here at noontime at the hottest part of the day by herself. Why would she be there by herself when all the other women went earlier? Because we, because we just know the story. We already, know the, we already read the whole scripture because of the fact that she was an outcast. She was put away because all these other women were scared that she was going to go after her, their husband too. She was. They were like, "Uh, uh you done been with five men. One, one you with now ain't even your husband. You ain't coming after my man. So I ain't. I don't even want to build a relationship with you." And so they stayed away from her. She was a complete outcast. She was a complete outsider. Jesus was deliberately reaching across this very significant barrier that that he would look down. He looked down upon um, a, a racial barrier, a cultural barrier a gender barrier, and even a moral barrier. And he, he reached across all those, those things to try to show that I am here, and I am here for everyone. I'm here for the outcast. I'm here for the good people, the bad people, the, 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 the ones that nobody cares about, the ones nobody loves. Even if you're not a Jew, I'm, I'm with you. I'm, I'm, I want you to come to me because Scripture says there's no Jew, no Gentile, no Greek, right? We're all grafted in. So he says, you know what? I want all to come to me. Jesus said, I am the Messiah. I'm the one you've been searching for. And he said to this woman, you have thirst that you are desperately trying to quench. You keep coming to this well trying to quench your thirst. And what he was saying was, you're thirsty, right? You know, back, back, back in the day, the teenagers used to say, whenever you, you wanted something real bad, and you like, like women or you like men a lot, they're like, you're thirsty. You're thirsty for men. You're thirsty for women, right? You're thirsty. You're wanting, you wanting that, right? And so that's what was happening. She was trying to fill her void her emptiness with men. And so she was thirsty. She was trying her best to fill a void, to fill something in her life that she did not have by, by coming to, to that well. This well here, Jacob's well, was, a, was symbolic of the, the greater need in her life. I'll give you peace that you, you never find. So what is your well today? What is a well that instead of going to Jesus, instead of going to God and getting on your knees and praying and seeking God, what is your well that you go to? What is the well that you go to to help fill your need? Is it sex? Is it drugs? Is it alcohol? Is it pornography? Is it gossip? Is, is, it, is it laziness? Is it bitterness? Is it unforgiveness? What is the well that you go to that I constantly go to this right here and this I, I go to this for satisfaction rather than going to God and reading the word of God and talking to him? Verse 28 says, Then, leaving her water jar, the woman went back to town and said to the people, come, see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Christ? Jesus can turn your past into a testimony. Here's the situation. Everybody rejected her. She was an outcast. 
She was a failure. She was, she was, was an outsider. And now all of a sudden, she had an encounter with Jesus. The same woman that was an outcast went back into town and told everybody. And for some reason, the anointing on her is different because now she has Christ in her life. She has the anointing that Jesus put on her. And she went there, and now they listen to her. They respect her. They want to hear everything she has to say. And they even believe her, and then they want to go see Jesus themselves. Whenever you, when you come to Jesus and let him fill you up, let him satisfy you, your old walk can go away, just like it did with Paul and Saul. You know, um, uh, Saul used to kill Christians, and then he, the light came down and, and blinded him, and Ananias healed him, and then he became Paul, who wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. And so the thing is, it doesn't matter what you've been through, your past, what you're going through, the mistakes you made. Even as a Christian, you may have had a moral failure. You may have had a big mistake that you made, a big sin that you committed. But God, you come back to God, he can still take you and turn it all around for you, and you can have a total turnaround. Verse 30 says, they came out of the town and made their way toward him. Many of the Samaritans of the town believed in him. They received him and because of the woman's testimony, the same woman that was an outcast. He told me everything I did. When she allowed Jesus in her life, it changed her testimony. It changed her influence. And it changed others' perception of her. Just by meeting Jesus, people perceived her different. Her influence was different. Whenever you, be, you really become sold out for Christ, I don't care what kind of um, influence you have now. I don't care what people think about you. I don't care how bad a person they think you are. Even if you're a Christian and you've been a hypocrite Christian, you can come to Jesus and really be go to that well and really be cleansed and transformed by him. And you don't have to worry about what people's going to think about you because you're going to be okay. Think about Paul. One day I'm killing Christians. I had this light. Now I'm saved. The next day he's like, hey, let me tell you about Jesus. And they're like, oh, look, hey, don't, don't kill me. Please don't kill me. He's like, no, I'm saved now. Oh, sure you are, big boy. Yeah, sure. I believe you. <laughs> okay. He pulled my knife out of my back pocket, you know. And so the thing is, is that, that, that God can change your testimony. He can change your direction. He can change everything about you, your influence, and all that stuff. How you feel like you're a bad person because you got this stuff in your life. And some of you may even have secret sin in here that nobody knows about but God. And other people don't look at you that way. But you know yourself that you got some stuff in your life that you're embarrassed about and you're, you're trying to deal with. And you're going to these ungodly, unevil type of wells to try to dig down and try to fill a void that you have in your life. But if you just go to God, God can heal you. He can deliver you. He can set you free from anything. There's nothing he cannot do. And he took this outcast and turned this outcast into an evangelist. And she's the first woman that realized that he was a Messiah. She said, yes, you're the Messiah. He said, yes, I am the Messiah. She's the first one that realized he was a Messiah except for the disciples. They already knew. But out in the world, she was the first one. He chose a woman to allow the word, the gospel, would be taken to the first group of people. You know, and everybody, a lot of people have different problems with well, a woman preaching. Hey, Jesus, he chose a woman to be the very first one to take the gospel and say, hey, I know the Messiah. I met him. He's here. And so, so maybe you feel helpless like the woman in the well did. Have you really ever stopped to, to, to consider why your life still feels so unfulfilled? Because you're like, I'm a Christian, Pastor Doug. I read my Bible as much as I can. And I pray, and I come to church, but you're still unfulfilled. So that means you're still, you're double dipping. That's what it is. 
You're double dipping. You're dipping from the well of Jesus. You're, you're dipping just enough to, to get, a good, get a couple good meals. But that third meal of the day, you're dipping in something else. I feel like that's a word for somebody. That just came up into my spirit. That some, some people are uh, online or here somewhere. You're, you're, you're double dipping. You're a Christian. You read the Bible. You pray. You go to church. But you're also secretly dipping over here. And that's why you're not fulfilled. Because you got this pure living water, but you got this poisonous water that you're mixing with it. And it's tainting it. Salt water and fresh water can't live in the same vessel. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, for that word. David Foster Wallace gave a, a commencement um, at, uh, at Kenyon College. He was not a Christian, but listen to the word he gave. Everybody worships. The only choice we get is what we worship. And compelling reason for choosing some sort of God to worship is that pretty much anything else you worship will pretty much eat you alive. This is a non-Christian saying, you need to serve some kind of God because anything else in this world, fame, fortune, pride, you know, uh, uh, the corporate ladder, all the, all the things in this world is going to eat you alive from the inside out. If you worship money and things, then that's where you tap your real meaning in life, then you will never have enough. If you worship your own body and your beauty and your sexual allure, then you will feel ugly. And when the time comes that age starts showing, you will die a million deaths before your loved one finally plants you. Worship power, and you'll end up feeling weak and afraid. Worship your intellect, and you will end up feeling stupid, a fraud, always on the verge of being found out. That is so powerful for a non-Christian and so much spiritual truth in that. It's, it, it is an old school thought of the present day what Deion Sanders said. He's saying the same thing. You know, you got all this stuff, you're trying, you're trying to worship this stuff, and, and instead of worshiping these things, you can make money, you can make your family, you can make your spouse, you can make your job, you can make your car, you can make uh, yourself a graven image. You can make all these things a God in your life. And these things will tear you down and they will eat you up. He wasn't a religious person, but he understands that you need to worship a God. And we understand, because he was not a Christian, that there's only one God to worship. That's Yahweh, Yeshua, right? The great I am, the El Shaddai, the Almighty One. We know that, 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 that there's only one God. I am the way, the truth, and the life. So, well, then after giving that speech a couple years later, Wallace took his own life. You see, he kept he, he, he said that and he was speaking from his own life because in his own life, he wasn't worshiping God. He was worshiping these other things and they ate him up from the inside out. What he actually was telling them actually happened to himself. Jesus said to this woman, unless you worship me, unless you, I become the center of your life, Unless you allow me to quench your thirst, then whatever you worship will abandon you in the end. All the things of this world, that, yeah, but, but man, I got this honey pot over here, man. I got this honey pot, and it's really, it's really satisfying me, Pastor. It will. But it's really good. Oh, I'm sure it is. But it will only be good for a little while, and it will only feel, fulfill you for a little while, because everything in this world will let you down. Everything in this world will turn its back on you, but God. And you can enjoy the little honeypot if you want to, 
And then, then after that honeypot's over, you're going to have to figure out, okay, well, what am, what am I going to do now? Just go ahead and just come and turn to God today and say, I am no, allow, no longer going to allow this to fulfill my life anymore. I'm no longer going to allow this evil, this thing, this, this situation. I'm not going to dip from here to try to fulfill my life anymore. So it's so easy to think that the thirst that you feel can be quenched by something other than him. Because a lot of times it's just guilt. We feel guilty. We don't go to God and we don't want him to quench our thirst because we feel guilty about what we're doing. But scripture says, come to me boldly. I'm going to forgive you every single time. The only time I'm not going to forgive you is whenever you don't ask. I'm going to forgive you. All you got to do is come to me. He's begging us to come to him. But we feel guilt. And that guilt is the devil telling you, you don't deserve to go to him. You don't deserve that unconditional love. You're a bad person. You're an evil person. Look at you. Look at what you've done. Look at your past. Look at your present. Look about what you're even thinking about doing in your future already. Why would, you even, why would he even give you the time of day? That's guilt. And that guilt is not of God. And then what happens is you run right past it. And we turn to alcohol. We turn to drugs. We turn to pornography. We turn to sex. We turn to work. We turn to relationships. We turn to bitterness. We turn to anger. We turn to gossip because we want somebody else to feel like we do. So we put them down. We make up lies about somebody else so, because we're jealous of them. So we'll make lies up about them so they'll feel like we do because we feel like we're a bad person and they got to be a bad person too because I don't want them to feel like they're better than me. Deceit. Manipulation. Lies. All this stuff is where all these are wells that we turn to to try to satisfy our souls. And God's like, that's not what you got to do. So here's the point of change. Jesus said, go get your husband. He said, I don't have a husband. Yeah, you're right. You have five. And the one you're with now is not even your husband. What, what is he doing here? He's trying to say, look here, you, you're trying your best to fill this void and you're filling it with things that are not right. He's not trying to humiliate her. He's trying to uh, gently nudge her and help her to understand fulfillment is not found in the pattern of behavior that you're at. You've got to change your behavior to try to fulfill something. You've got this pattern of life, and you're trying to fulfill something, and it's just not going to work. But PD, I'm nothing like that woman. I'm a Christian. She's not a Christian. But you're still trying to fill yourself. You got that, you got, like I said, you're double dipping. Yeah, you're not like her. Maybe you are a Christian, but you still got your hand in the cookie jar over here that's not the jar of Christ. So we got we to say, we got to realize, that, let me just pause right here and go to John chapter 3 for a second. Um, you're not, you, don't, don't, you don't see a lot of people put these two together, but it's kind of the same thing in a different way. John 3, 1 through 7. There was a man named Nicodemus, a Jewish leader um, who was a Pharisee. After dark, the, this Pharisee came after dark because he didn't want anybody to see him coming to, to Jesus. He spake with Jesus. The rabbi, he said, we all know that God sent you to teach us. Your miraculous signs are evidence that God is with you. Jesus replied, I tell you the truth. Unless you are born again, you will never or cannot see the kingdom of God. What do you mean? exclaimed Nicodemus. How can an old man go back into a mother's womb and be born again? Jesus replied, I assure you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and of the Spirit. Humans can re um, reproduce 
only human life. The Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. So don't be surprised when I say you must be born again. So you notice how he treats, he had the woman at the well who was a non-Christian. She was an outcast, an outsider. He treated her with kid gloves. Now this, this is Nicodemus, a Pharisee, a religious leader, and he's like going off, kicking off on him. See, because the, the Pharisees, they, their religious leader, they take pride in knowing the law and understanding the law. And so he was trying to shake him up and say, hey, you say you know it all, but you're not even understanding the simple scripture. It's not even about the law. It's about the heart. So he's trying to shake him up and help him understand that it's not what you think it is. And the thing is, is that, that, that this man was an admirable person in the eyes of the people. People looked up to him. Nicodemus was, a, was a, a nice person. People looked up at him and they respected him. He was a man of the law and he tried to do good things, but he had himself dipping in the law and he was a non-Christian because he was not accepting Christ. He was for, Jesus was forceful and direct and even confrontational. Nicodemus was part of this religious Jewish ruling council and he should have had more understanding of, of the deep things of the Lord and he was not. He was only service level because he was dipping from another Another well. Pharisees are known for their adherence to the religious law and tradition, but are hypocritical. Jesus was challenging him to examine himself, quit examining the, 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 how it looks on the top, and go down under there to the heart of the matter and understand what we're trying to say. There has to be change. And Bruce, if you could come, please. Jesus is, say, Jesus is saying that the Johns and the prostitutes, everybody out there on the streets, the drug addicts, and all these kind of people like that, there's no difference between them and us when they're sinning in our lives. If you're a Christian or you're a sinner and you're sinning, that is the same thing. That sin is the same. The difference is, is the Christian should say, Lord, forgive me. I want to dip from your well. I'm sorry for my sin. I repent of my sin and do that. And the sinner is going to keep dipping from the same well they've always dipped from. And that's the difference. Sin is when you look for something else besides God to be your salvation. You, you, you're thirsty and you're seeking something. You're empty within. And you're like, what you're really saying is, I'm unfulfilled. I need a God. But what are you making your God? Are you making it something evil in this world? Or are you turning to the word of God and say, God, transform me, fill me, lift me up. Because you don't see whole people say, I'm healed and whole, walking around and say, hey, I'm addicted. Why? Because they're healed and whole. They're, they're dipping from the right, the right well. And so it don't matter what you're going through. It don't matter if you're a Christian and you're saved. You still got to dip from the well of God. Maybe you've allowed power today to be your salvation. Maybe religious activity and work because you feel like, well, I'm, I'm, I'm in the church. I'm working in the church. I'm doing it in the church. I'm serving the church. I'm going to church every week. All that makes you feel like that you're, you're, you're right with God when that's just activity, but your heart is still far from God. Maybe you're trusting in yourself. Maybe you're not committing adultery or robbing people, but your heart is increasingly filled with pride, self-righteousness, insecurity, envy, and spite. That's just as evil. There is no level in sin. You're not going to get to heaven and say, well, God's not going to say, well, that sin, ah, that wasn't as bad as that guy. That dude did a lot worse than you. Sin is sin. We say before God, it's all got to be forgiven. 
Nick, Nick, Nikki and the Samaritan were the same, equally living in sin, equally needing what? The grace of Jesus. Unmerited favor. And we are no different. We need that. And whenever you come to God, you do a 180. You're going in this direction, you do a 180, and you turn, and that's what repenting means, to do a 180, to turn away from the sin in your life. The outcast became an evangelist for Jesus, and you can be too. The insider, the, out, the outcast became an, uh, 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 an evangelist for Jesus. The insider, Nicodemus, you can't, it don't really say if Nicodemus ever really got saved. But it implies that he did. Whenever Jesus was being conspired against, Nicodemus, Nicky, he stood up for Jesus and said, hey, 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 hold on. Nicodemus was there and helped take Jesus' body off the cross. Matter of fact, Nicodemus donated money to have Jesus' body anointed for his death and burial. So his actions show that there was some kind of heart change. Instead of going under the dark of night and trying to sneak around and talk to Jesus and, 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 and find out, now out in the daytime he's serving and doing that. I'm convinced that you would, once you truly experience a true relationship with Jesus, you can quit dipping from that, that honey pot and you can dip all into God. Now, does that mean I'm not going to sin? I'm not going to do wrong? I'm not going to mess up, Pastor? Does that mean I'm never going to go back to that pot again? No, it don't. I hope you don't. I hope that hope you learn and you have a total transformation. But we are human. We all sin. We all mess up. But I promise you, the deeper you dig and, and go to God's well, the, the, the well of God, the, the longer you go there, the less you'll dip in the other pots. The more, you, the more you, you dip in this pot, the more you dig from the well of Christ, the less and less and less and less you'll dig from any other pot. That's life change. The life change you're seeking is that total turnaround. And it all starts with a place of surrender. You got to get to the place and say, God, this is, this is what I'm dealing with. This is my secret sin. This is the thing that I'm, I'm, I'm hiding from everybody else. Or maybe the, what, this is the sin that everybody sees. And I need to come to you. And I offer, I surrender it to you. I give it all to you. And I lay it at your feet. And help me to, to read and pray more and seek your face and be committed to you more. I surrender all this stuff. I surrender every other God that I'm serving. I didn't even realize I had other gods, God, until today, Pastor was talking, and I realized there's other things that I turned to. Maybe you have a friend that's your God, and every time you have an issue, you go to your friend and say, what do I do, what do I do? There's nothing wrong with that, but you do that after you say, God, what do I do? You talk to God and allow Him to bless you and give you direction. Then you can get confirmation from people. You go to the Word of God and get confirmation. You go to prayer and get confirmation. But first, you go to God. And then all these other things will happen. And you say, God, I surrender all. I surrender all. Would you bow your head and close your eyes? Is there anybody here today say, hey, Pastor, Man, I need a total turnaround, but I need one because I'm not a Christian. I don't know Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior. If I die today, I'm not sure that I'd make heaven. I want to, I got to turn this around because I'm heading in the direction of, of hell, and I don't, I don't want to be there, especially after all what God's done for me. And I'm an outcast, but God loves me, and I want to accept him as my Lord and Savior. Does anybody here at all want to say, you know what? I want to receive Christ. I want to be a Christian today.
I want to accept Jesus as my Lord and save anybody at all. If you're online, you can, you can, you know, message us or you can say right there online, I need Jesus and we'll have somebody talk to you. Who would say, Pastor Doug, uh, I'm a Christian, but uh, sometimes these other whales come up and, and, you know, I'm not saying they're all evil and all bad, but I have other places sometimes that I try to fulfill myself, you know, and, and it's not all, it's not all good. So, as a matter of fact, it's not all bad. It's just I go other places besides God sometimes to get fulfilled. Other, I have other wells in my life, whether it's money, whether it's spending money, whether it's doing things, whatever it is, I have other wells that I go to, and I want God to help me to just go to his well. Anybody at all? Yeah, 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 yeah. So many hands. Yeah, if you're truthful, we all got these wells. We just got to close them up. We got to kick dirt in them wells and say, I'm not going to go to that well no more. We got to put a top over that well and say, you know what? I, I got to put, I got to, put some rivets and a big old steel heavy thing over that well and shut that well down and say, I'm not going to for that well anymore. How do you do that? By surrendering to God. Can we just sing, I surrender all? All to you today. We submit to you, your way, your will, your plans. We seek your face and not your hands. God, we worship you. We honor you today. We thank you for this time. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the rhema word. We thank you for all that you've done and all you're going to do. We worship you today, God. We pray that your spirit and your presence will go with us this week. God, we're hungry for you. God, we're thirsty for you. Give us more, oh God. More of you. More peace. More presence. More grace. More mercy. God, we seek your face, God, not your hand. We love you so much. We honor you today. Be with us as we leave. In Jesus' name. Thank you for your presence, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus.